good to be with you. I wanted to, to say to Andre that what I've realized is that ministry is absolutely a blessing if it wasn't for the people. And, and, and that's the reality, is that sometimes ministry is wonderful, but we as people, and we are different people, and, and we trigger each other, and we do all kinds of things. And so part of the work that I do in people's lives is helping them deal with, with triggers and, and stuff like that. But I want to honor this church. I want to honor Andre, Sonika. It's good to know you and uh, to be in the city with you. It's an honor. And I want to honor you. I was just, I want to give you a word of encouragement. Put on my glasses, accent worm. I, I really thought, and, and when we were praying there this morning, um, the word just came to my heart. And I thought I wanted to just share it with, publicly with your church too is in, in John chapter 1, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Andre, I want to just honor you. That's what the Gerarach in you see. I see that. There's no deceit in your heart. Your heart is to, to build the kingdom. I want to honor you for that. And, and, and the wonderful thing is that Nathanael said to Jesus, When did you do, see this? He says, No, I saw you when you, when you were under the fig tree. Um, when nobody's watching you, you and Sonica, both of you, you are busy doing what God wants you to do. And that, that to me is so wonderful because a lot of times people don't see what we do uh, as pastors. So God wants you to know that he saw you there where you didn't even think because God is normally there when, when nobody's watching. That's where our character actually comes out. I want to honor you for that. And may the Lord bless this church. Church is, is a wonderful animal to be part of. <laughs> we are all blessed. And I've been, I've really been, I, I got saved in 1980, 1980 when I was in grade 11. I was supposed to be confirmed or conformed or confirmed. Aangeneem en voorgestel in die kerk. Neem aan het jy malles en stel voor dat jy verbeter. Okay. Um, <laughs> you... It's confirmation for those of you that grew up in the Methodist church. And we honor the church. I honor the Inge church because I got my roots there. I learned a lot of stuff in, 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 in the Sunday school. But that, that evening of my confirmation, the Dominey phoned me and said that his car had broken down in Worcester. And he couldn't make it. So, and I put the phone down. That was before we had cell phones and SMSs. We had landlines. Like, we, we still have landlines, but there's only about two people that phone our house. Rhino, <laughs> who phones Simon normally. Um, but anyway, those of you who know what a landline is, that's what we had. Those, like, blue telephones with those, like, blue, like, or like a maroon sort of hand, handle. As I put that, as I put the phone down, it rang again, and I picked it up, and it was friends of mine that I'd met from school. His parents phoned and said, listen, Corey. There's a guy speaking at the, at the movies, at Kini Flora. I, lived there. I was in Florida, Wersko. Why don't you come and join us? And I said, yes, let me come. And you know, that evening I, I got saved. The guy that preached there, his name was Roger Volk. He was in the Baptist church. And there was a WOW team from the Baptist church. WOW stands for Win Our World. John Basson and Terry Basson were, were in that team. And John Basson was, when I came to East London, he was the pastor at Sterling Baptist Church. But Roger Vogue, that night, led me to the Lord. 
the next week I did my aanneming and voorstelling. And after the aanneming and voorstelling, I led my whole class to Jesus. That was with me because I realized I'm the only one who knows Jesus. We prayed. I, I still remember we were outside the Ingekerk and I was having them all on their knees there and saying, now you pray the sinner's prayer, accept Jesus into your heart. And then I started reading the Bible and I just realized, but the Bible says I need to be baptized. And I got baptized. And the man who baptized me is now my brother-in-law, uh, Karin's uh, sister's husband. And they are ministering in Bratislava. His name is Gerard Fenter. He was the principal of the seminary, of the Baptist seminary in Cape Town. So th that's where the family connection. So I want to say to you this morning, nothing happens for nothing. God has a plan for you and a wonderful way of working in our lives. And so, and then he changed me. Uh, I went to study to be a teacher. And I was probably, if I had a, if that was my second choice, if I had a choice, that would be the one I would like to be a teacher and be part of people's lives. But it was while I was studying teaching that God called me into ministry. And so in 1983, I actually started studying to be, uh, after I, I, I started studying to be a teacher, did psychology at UNISA, um, sort of part-time. And then I, because I changed my, my course, I started in 83 at the Baptist Seminary. Then I went to the Army in the middle of 83 because of uh, national service. But then the Lord took me to the Army. And I realized that, and I just got saved. I was so on fire for Jesus that I realized that there's a mission field with a fence around it. People can't even run away from you when, when you talk to them about Jesus. So we were all suffering. I mean, we were running, and, but nobody could run away from me. There was a fence. And, I was, and they said, you look so on fire. Don't you want to run the coffee shop? So I said, yes, let me do the coffee, coffee, coffee bar at the, at the army. So all the new recruits came in, and I got firsthand an opportunity to preach to them all, led hundreds of young, new recruits to Jesus because of being in the army. I didn't know. I thought, I want to study to be a pastor. And the Lord says, I'm going to teach you how to be one, but out of your comfort zone. Okay. <laughs> so Jesus started touching people. I remember we, we I had all the campers crusade. Those, do you know what a movie is? Like a, like a projector for those older people. We used to use like use a projector and threw like this onto the screen. And we would watch movies that Campus Crusade gave us. And we would use the movie and then afterwards we would make an altar call. And lots of these troops came to the Lord. So for two years I had that. I went to the border in Rundu. Uh, and did a, you know, it was just amazing. Even on the border, I got the coffee, coffee bar again. And in the coffee bar, I was able to lead. Even I led one of the dominies to the Lord in the army. Isn't it wonderful? He came to me. He says, Corey, when you talk about Jesus, I know I don't know him. I want to know him. So I said, well, come. Get on your knees. Let's pray. And the Lord changed his life. You know what? The Lord just did such an amazing work in that man's life. He was a colonel. And I was a troop. And God did a wonderful thing in his life just because of passion. So I want to just say, never, never lose your passion for the Lord. And then I just have, I, I, I really, this morning, I have two words of knowledge. This morning when you were praying for the, one of your, your, your parishioners who had passed away, I, I, I feel that there are people here that have, have lost people um, in, that have died. And it might have been a year ago, and you're still struggling. 
And I just want to come tell you to this morning that God wants to just come and, and just remove that pain from your heart this morning. So maybe after, maybe later, late after the service, if you'd like to come, I'd love to pray with you. And then there are people here, I don't know if you, you've been struggling to have a baby. It's been long. And, and, and you are despondent. God, God wants to give you a child. So please come. I, I, know, I don't want to tell people to stand up in front of everybody and say, oh, we want to have a baby. You, you can. Um, I'm sure most of us would like, well, I don't want to have a baby. I, <laughs> my wife doesn't want to have a baby anymore. She, her name is not Sarah. So, but I just want to encourage you this morning. I, I feel that God just wants to give hope. Those people that have lost someone to death, it might be a few of you. Maybe there's some, a few of you that are, have been struggling to get pregnant. I want to trust the Lord. I want to pray for you this morning. So please feel free afterwards to just talk to me. So this morning we're going to talk about my namesake, Cornelius. Okay. My name is Cornelius Johannes Durant. Okay. Um, and Cornelius, uh, in, 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 in the Romans, as a, they, it, it, it comes from the, in Latin, it, it actually means horn, lifted up. Someone who's lifted up, someone who brings light. So I love my name. And my second name is Johannes, which means God is gracious. Okay. So it's like, so I want to just, this morning, just share a few things about Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10, you're welcome to, to just open your Bibles at I've just brought a backup because I thought if my phone doesn't want to work this morning, then I'll use my, my I'll read from the Bible. Well, this is also the Bible. It's just in another form. Uh, you don't have to feel bad about it. It's, this is the word. Um, well, this is the new. So we, we sort of, like we have, to, we have to adapt. I have to adapt. But in Acts chapter 10, it says that Cornelius, uh, in, in, in verse 2, it says he was a devout man. And one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. I'm sure most, most of you sitting here would, would love to have this experience. And, 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 and Cornelius stared at him in terror, and he says, What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. There's, there's, there's actually in verse 6, the fact that he, that he lived with a tanner is already, it's the first sort of like, move of God, taking him out of his comfort zone. I don't know if you know, have you ever, guys, who's ever been to Wellington? Wellington is actually called Smellington because there's a, there's a tanner in Wellington. If the wind blows the wrong direction, it's not lacquer. Okay, so God, God sets Peter up. He's a Jewish man. He's not allowed to actually hang around dead animals. Now, unfortunately, when you go to a tanner's house, there's a lot of dead animals there. So God is already doing something in his life to, to, to just stir him. So let's just look at, 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 at Cornelius' life. We can go to the next slide. There, there were four things that, that characterized his life. First of all, he actively sought after God. 
He, he really, he was, he was looking, he was, he was seeking God. He was wanting to know what does God want from his life. He was seeking him. This is a, this is a Roman soldier. He's under the Roman law. He lives in Caesarea. Those of you that have been to Israel, Caesarea is one of the most amazing places. Um, it was built by Herod the Great. And it's an amazing city. And it, if, you, if you stand at, in, at, the, at the, the, the palace, you, you're looking towards Rome. He was under the Roman headship. But he was looking, he was seeking after God. That was one of the things that stood out in his life. Are you, are you seeking him? You know? I've been a Christian since 1980. It's like, I'm, I'm like foreign, man, when it comes to knowing Jesus. But you know what? Every day of my life, I'm still seeking him. Every day of my life, every morning when I wake up, I'm aware of his presence. And I seek him as a son. Because I love him. And because he loves me. And I, I don't know if you, if you know this, but there's actually nothing that you can do to make him love you more at this moment. Nothing. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. So maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've done things that are wrong. You know what? He, it doesn't, he is not phased by that. It phases us. And yes, it does something in our lives. Sin separates us from God, but in our minds, it doesn't separate us because of his love. His love doesn't change. So it doesn't matter what you've done today. He still loves you, and he wants you to come back. And he wants you to stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing the rubbish. Stop Stop the nonsense. You are making wrong choices. Just allow God to do that, to, to change that in your heart. So let's look at the second thing that he did. Cornelius feared God. I put some Afrikaans in here because I normally preach in Afrikaans. But I, we, we, have a, we have like a deal because we have lots of times we have people that come into the church that are English that cannot understand Afrikaans. So we just sort of switch because I have a decoder. I can my brain actually is speaking Afrikaans now. I can hear it. It's <laughs> because that, we can't help that. That's how, that's how it works. Um, if I pray to the Lord in my intimacy with him, I cannot but speak Afrikaans because that comes out of me naturally. But I'm, I have a decoder. So Cornelius feared the Lord. People, people have a misunderstanding of the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean to walk around being very scared and being a very afraid. It's like that whole thing of be afraid, be very afraid. No. The fear of the Lord, if you actually go and look at the Hebrew word of the fear of the Lord, it actually means being conscious of God. It's a God consciousness, which means that he's everywhere. And, and there's nothing that I can hide from him. And I'm always so blessed because what I was saying about Andre just now is that who are you when nobody's watching? If you have the fear of the Lord, if you are God conscious, <laughs> when you are alone, you are God conscious. And you are not busy doing things that you shouldn't do because you are God conscious. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And in, 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 in Proverbs, Solomon writes that the the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So being God conscious, just being aware of him and allowing him to be part of everything in my life, every part of my life, to allow him to be part of that. that that's what it means to have the fear of the Lord. Then thirdly, 
uh, Cornelius was generous in meeting others' needs. It's amazing. Cornelius, because he was God-conscious, he couldn't but not, if you are God-conscious, you become, you become people-conscious. You start loving people. You can't but not love people if you, if you are fearing God. If God is in your heart and you fear Him, you cannot but love other people. It's, it's, so, it's such an important thing. You can't, you can't walk past someone and not, in a sense, be, be aware of their needs. Now, life happens. I've, I've messed up so many times in my life where I've had opportunity to love people and to be conscious of, of those in need. But it's important for us to, to be aware of that. But I've messed up many times in my life, and I do. Um, I mean, we've, we've just been, like, we, we are crazy people. We've moved back. We, we, last year in December, no, in last year in October, September, October, we... We, we, we started like, I don't know what it was, but I think it's because we were in our 50s now. So you start thinking, dreaming dreams and seeing visions and all kinds of stuff, which is good. You need to. And we said, you know what? We would love, one of the things that we, we've been living in is done for such a long, we would love to live closer to the beach. Because we're getting old now. We don't want to drive to the beach. We want to walk to the beach. I mean, who's ever felt that? So it's like I've, I've so we decided to, 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 we saw a house, it like just happened miraculously, and we, we, we like in a moment, I get in a oomblik van ongekende waansin. That's a good Afrikaans word. I, if you English, just translate to the people, although if they just, but it's those, those hilarious moments where you actually make a decision on like just, you just make it. And we made an offer on a house, and we decided, you know what? This is going to be very lacking. Why don't we just, we rent our house out in the meantime. We trust the Lord. We signed a contract to say that in a year's time, we, our house will be sold. And, but you know what? We're not going to wait for a year. We're somewhere going to move to this house at the beach. So we did it. Like, can you believe it that people that are in their 50s do that kind of thing? It's like we just, we were just like out of our comfort zone and we did it. And it was lovely walking to the beach. But then things started going wrong a bit because... The people that were renting our house, then they, they lost. They, the, the, when I got there one day, the sheriff was there to take all their furniture because they couldn't pay anymore. That kind of stuff. So things just went pear-shaped. Do you know what? That, when, when things go pear-shaped, that's where your character comes to the, to the forefront. Where God sort of like looks into your heart. And, but I'm sure you guys, you guys are all Christians. You've never done this kind of thing where you've made mistakes. So on this weekend, we had to move back to our old house, which we love, actually love. But then we decided, you know what, while the house is empty, why don't we just do a few renovations before we move back? Can you hear my children are laughing the loudest at the moment? And so we knocked the wall out. We built a few walls. We actually took a whole bathroom out. and It's chaos in our house. And, but we've moved back. So I can, even this morning, I feel the dust in my nose. It's not gone yet, the dust. But we are back into our house. And I've learned something. I've learned what it means to be out of your comfort zone. And that's why this, this is such a, 
uh, uh, the, the Acts chapter 10 and, and the whole thing with Peter and, and, and with Cornelius is so close to my heart. So the fourth thing, just let's just look at the fourth one so you can just get that, is that he prayed. Okay, we've been praying. This year we've been praying and saying, Lord, you need to help us because we are now paying for two houses. It's not easy. I'm out of my comfort zone, Lord. I, I don't like making mistakes. And, and what did we do? But you know what, what we've realized is that actually in God, you cannot make a mistake. Because all he's doing is just changing our character. So what I've learned, I've learned fast I've learned to, to endure. I've learned to realize that. And you know what? I have compassion with people that, and I see people every day that come with financial problems and stuff like that. For the first time in my life, it's really been hard on me that I, that I, and I hate it because I know in, in my character is I'm, I don't know who of you, have, have, have you, any of you done Hetty Brits's like things on the trees, what kind of tree you are, but I'm a palm tree. Okay, palm trees are like, where's the party and when does it start? So that's who I am. It's like I'm the youngest child too. Um, youngest children are normally like that because they just want to see where's the party and when does it start. And, and there's actually, Kevin Lehman wrote a wonderful book about, um, how, you know, about ages and about how, what does it mean to be the eldest child. And sometimes old children are the ones that took, take all the responsibility and stuff. I'm not there. I'm not a responsible person. I'm actually an irresponsible person. Although I love people and I, I counsel people and I love people, but I'm, I just go with the flow. I don't care what happens. But you know what? This whole process did something in my heart. And it taught me to trust the Lord again. It taught me that this palm tree must trust the Lord, that, that I need him. And, and one of the things with palm trees, palm trees don't like not having money, not, not I, I, you know, and, and sickly. But I'm sure all of you have never had that problem. You look like all people, you all have got enough money, everything's lacquer, God is just good to you, eh? I mean, it's like nothing ever goes wrong because you're more a Christian. It's supposed to be like that. Unfortunately, not. James, that's why James is in the Bible. I mean, Martin Luther, he didn't want James there, but God wanted James in the Bible and part of the Canaan. Because James writes and he says, you know, be, be glad when all these trials come to you because it's doing something in you. God is putting something of his character inside of you. Okay, so let's just, let's just go on with, 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 with Cornelius. So what does God do when you're not watching? <laughs> what is God doing? He's busy setting you up. He's setting you up for stuff. Those, those things that are happening in your life, God is busy doing something. He's setting you up, but He's setting you up for a miracle in your life. He's setting you up for breakthrough when you are not watching. So, so Peter, is, he's minding his own business. He's just also praying like Cornelius was praying, and all of a sudden, he has a vision. And he, he has the first sort of 3D vision or 3D thing that we know of. People, the world thinks they found it out, but God already had. So he lets God, there comes this whole big like larken or with, with all these animals on this, and they're in front of Peter, and he sees them. And most probably there must be a pig, there's most probably crayfish. There's all kinds of stuff that Jews don't eat. And so they just, it comes out of the air. This is like, Peter doesn't know this, but God is setting him up. He's already living in the house of a tanner. 
He's got like a peg on his nose because it stinks in the house. He's, he's been triggered. He's, he's out of his comfort zone. And now he has this vision. And, he, and, and God says, Peter, slag and eat. Come on. There's some nice lacquer stuff here. Lacquer pork chops. Go for it. Bacon, man. You don't know. You, the English are going to have bacon and eggs for breakfast for centuries to come. You don't even know it yet. But you know what, Peter? You are the key to me. You are the key to Europe, but you don't know it yet. So isn't it amazing? God, God is seeing, Peter just sees all these little animals that he has to eat, and he thinks, no ways, I can't do this, I'm a Jew. God sees nations. God sees Cornelius. God sees South Africa and, and the world. He sees further than that. I mean, you, you are worrying about all kinds of rubbish. God is always a, at work around us. Guys, I don't know if you know that. God is busy doing something. He's busy at your work. Tomorrow when you get to work or at school or university, wherever, at your business, God is already doing something. He's, he's busy doing something. And when God is working around us, what does he do? Henry Blackaby wrote a wonderful book about experiencing God. But Henry, and he, and, he, and he just says, but then God does something. He invites you to join him in what he's doing. So he's inviting Peter. He says, I'm busy working. I'm, I'm, I've already shown my heart. I've seen Cornelius because he was praying. He was fearing me. He was doing good to the poor. God takes notice of this man who wasn't a Christian. He was just a devout man. He was seeking God. So he invites, he invites Peter. He invites you to join him, to say, come and join me. I'm actually busy doing something. Come join me in what I'm doing. And so he invites him. Peter gets stretched and taken out of his comfort zone. Actually, you know, guys, that you don't grow in a comfort zone. Sorry to say. We grow when we're out of our comfort zones. And I've, I've grown in this year. I've grown in leaps and bounds in my character. Because God had to see my heart. That I, that I at one stage thought, well, I'm not actually supposed to be like even in ministry. Because I'm such a, like a loser. Look at what I've done. Look at these choices that I've made. You know what? God used that in my life to do something in my heart. And in the same way, he was busy preparing Peter, taking him out of his comfort zone, and then saying to him, okay, come. Come and see what I'm going to do. Come and, come and, come and just come and see. Come, come and see what happens when you come out of your comfort zone. And it's amazing that when Peter said, I wonder what this means. While he says that, there's a knock on the door. And at the door are the men saying, we are here because God revealed himself to Cornelius. So he invites them in, they sleep over the night, and then it goes on. He, he, he can, yeah, God wants you out of your comfort zone. How does he do it? Just go to the next slide. How does God do it? He speaks to us. That's how he gets you out of your comfort zone. Come, come, come. Move it. <laughs> it's time to move out of your... He speaks to you. You know it. You, I hate it sometimes. It's like I know I have to go and love someone that I, I don't want to. I have to go and forgive somebody that I... No, man, it's lucky to be angry with these people. Because they are wrong. 
I've been a Christian for so many years. How the hell can these people do this to me? Okay. Exactly. This was full. So he speaks to us, and then what does he do? The next thing he does, he puts us in difficult situations. Okay. Uncomfortable situations. And all of a sudden, stuff comes out of me that I never realized was still there. And I actually... In Afrikaans, we have a nice word. You, you get the murin. Okay. I've been the murin many times. Because people just trigger me. There's a good story, Andre. They, they called this woman to the front, like a big Afrikaans woman. They said to him, okay, well, come on, give you a bit. Um... I know Kobus, who's, who's, who died now, but um, I, one of the prayers that he prayed, there was a guy that came to the front, and it was like a very over, like a heavyweight person, and so the guy says, now I want to lose weight. So Kobus says to him, how fast your brook, come on, That's faith, eh? Hold your pants, let's pray. And then, this was not Kobus, this was another, another, another situation where this woman came to the front. So they were all praying for him. And you know how it is in church? People start, like sometimes people push you a bit and stuff. So the guy says to the woman, Wim, who fool you? I say, I feel like I'm a Sometimes we have to be honest that we are, that we are peed off. Okay, we are angry. Just be honest. That woman was just being honest. That he was really just angry. So sometimes God puts you in difficult situations. I've been in situations, and like, I mean, he puts us in difficult, and I say, God, what are you doing wrong? And then God says to me, it's not me, it's you. You are making wrong choices. You have made long turnoffs. You have done things. You have done things that are not right. Not me, it's you. And then I just have to say, Lord, I, I don't understand the situation, but you know what? I want to go with you. I just want to, I trust you because I'm your son and you love me. And you want to work through me. You want to use me. So the next thing he does, he shows us visions. He shows us visions. I've seen weird pictures before. And, and I've had dreams sometimes where... And I don't understand it. But you know what? Just ask the Lord. Lord, what does this mean? That's exactly what Peter did. He says, what does this mean? I don't know. Then there's a knock on the door. And God starts opening it up. And he goes to Cornelius' house. And um, you can just go on with the show, with the slideshow. Uh, slide. Is it a slideshow? I don't know. But anyway, the he He sends us. Okay, once, once. Once he, once he puts us in, a, then he sends us, and he says, now go. Hano, just get out, of, get out of your comfort zone. Go. Go to the house of Cornelius. So these people sleep over the next day. He goes into the house of Cornelius, and he says to them, guys, what I've realized is that God doesn't make distinction between animals, because I can eat anything. I always thought it was just the Jews that were supposed to come to Christ on, on, on the day of Pentecost. The, three, the first 3,000 people were Jews from all kinds of walks of life. But all of a sudden now, I realize that God is going further than the Jews. 
God is thinking nations. God is, I mean, he's thinking Europe now. This guy comes from Italy. Who of you have been to Italy and Rome and Europe? I mean, we, we wouldn't have been able to go to all those places if it wasn't for this moment. And, and the church was established, the Roman church, the Italian church was established by the obedience of Peter. And so he just, he said, God sends us. And then he, obviously when he sends us, we have a problem in our hearts. You can go to the next slide. Um, and the, the, the question is, it's your choice. Will you go? Will you, will you, will you go? Will you, will you come out of your comfort zone? Will you, will you be willing to go? And, and, and the amazing thing is Peter preaches to these people, and while he's speaking to them, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They all start speaking in tongues. It's like, wow, this is like Pentecost all over again. God just comes up, and then he baptizes them all. And then in, if you go to chapter 11, in Acts chapter 11, the, he actually has to go to Jerusalem, and they ask him, but, you know, why have you done these people or not? Jews, he says, no, God has shown me. This is what he's doing. And it's like God just shifts the whole church. The whole, I mean, there were so many wonderful things. Miracles were happening. We know. In, if you read Acts, the whole, every page of Acts, there's just miracles happening. The church is growing. Then there's 3,000. Then there's 5,000. Um, Peter and John go to pray. There's a, there's a lame guy on the way, and they just say, hey, stand up and walk. And and, and like this chaos, and they get arrested, and they get thrown in jail, and an angel helps Peter to come out of jail later, I think they're in Acts chapter 13. But there's so many miracles that happen. But amongst that, there's still a shift that takes place in those people's hearts. So God can do miracles, He does wonderful things in our lives, but He's still shifting you, and He's still inviting you, and saying, will you go? Will you be obedient? Will you be aware of those people around you and start reaching out to them and, and loving them and, 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 and showing them the love of God? So he's calling us because obedience is a choice and it has a great effect. To obey, God spoke to, to David and he said to him, to obey is better than sacrifice. Being obedient. Sometimes it's easier just to give a sacrifice. You know, it's sometimes easier just to say, okay, I'm just going to give money for this person. But to go to that person's house and to love them and to actually walk with them, it's difficult. It's not so easy. So sometimes God needs to take us out of our own house. Even if, even in like that situation that Peter was in was a difficult situation, but God took him there to another house and put him amongst people that were not his own people. But God changed it, and he, and he says, now I understand. Now I understand that if I'm obedient, it changes the world. And so God wants to do that through you and me. God is busy working around us, and he invites you to join him. He says, come join me. I'm doing something wonderful. And guys, as, as your church as well, Shofar, God is busy working around us, and he invites you and me. He's busy working in East London, and he invites us to say, how can we make a difference? How can we change our city? And I believe he can change the city if each one of us becomes obedient to what he wants us to do. Just doing what you're supposed to do. I, I, I realize that I can't do plumbing. I can't. Even this morning, before I, just before I came here, there was like, oh, I walked into the one room, and all of a sudden water started spating out there. 
and I and I didn't and I just took it like a I I use a hammer so I just clapped that pipe so but then it sprayed more so then then I took a then I then I but I got it closed don't worry our house is not flooded but I'm not a plumber and and but I'm just doing what God has called me to do what has he called you to do Where, what is he doing in your life and what is he inviting you to join him? That's the wonderful thing is he invites us to join him in what he's doing. And he does that. And, and that is, that's what he did with me. He invited me and said, Corey, I want to heal people. Won't you join me? I said, yes, Lord. I want to see people get healed. I want to see their hearts being changed. I want people that are in pain to be free of pain. And I joined him. And so this morning... Just allow the Holy Spirit to show you what does he want to do in your heart.